We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. is up Rona grinders pff show pro football focus week 14 i am not brit divine brit is uh, on vacation presumably currently uh, on space mountain or something like that I, he'll be back next week i'll be filling in admirably to, to the best of my abilities uh here as always ian hart hearts from uh from pff and uh you know i do a pro football focus uh, not, not pro football focus i do a, a pick six show uh wednesday nights with, with john daigle and with rich rebar we talk, we break down the show uh, on Wednesday nights, and sometimes it's like, you know, um, I don't like this slate, but like by Thursday or by Friday or by Saturday, almost always by Sunday, it's like, oh, wait, now it's coming to, oh, right, I see it. Now there's almost too much good stuff, and it's Friday. We're recording on a Friday afternoon, and that, I haven't got to that point just yet. Just 10 games, obviously, six teams on by. I know a lot of the season-long folk are upset. The NFL not aware that, like, they should be catering to fantasy. It's like a huge portion <laughs> of their audience. Come on, get it together. Uh, I need you is the point I'm saying here. I need you to point me in the direction of some good plays on this slate because all I see is Minnesota and Detroit. <laughs> and, uh, and then what else? I don't know. Uh, are you excited about uh, this week's uh, week 14? Welcome to the show, by the way. Great to be here, man. And look, I am always excited here. Week 14, that means we don't have that many left until we are unfortunately dealing with not having, you know, what, seven straight hours of no commercial football every single Sunday. So from that perspective, I'm with you. But man, like when I'm filling out, you know, she's trying to be prepared, you know, getting my bets in line and stuff. Usually I can go through the slate and I, I see two or three that kind of immediately pop out uh, to your point. Same thing with DFS and had to go through it a good two or three times, you know, before I even had anything that I was feeling confident about. But we've grown enough and i still think we got a few tricks up our sleeve but hey man as they say even on these slates where we look at it and we it's like man this is tougher than normal it's tougher than normal for everybody out there so we'll do our best to hopefully finish on the right side of this yeah we're all dealing with the same puzzle pieces the struggle was real for every one of us uh but by the way you mentioned the seven straight hours and this is a you know not, not to go back to the pick six thing but uh dago and rebar are, are like massively anti red zone like good lord that 
I mean, I respect those D- guys. Daigle, yeah, look, those are, I, I love both those guys. Daigle's one of my best friends like in, in, in the world. And with Daigle, he, he's just a you know contrarian to be a contrarian sometimes. That's a, that's a terrible take. He refuses to go to a football game with me on like Thursday night. He's like, I can't make it happen. Can't possibly do it. It's like, bro. Come on, none of us. Are, it's like um, there's a story Nick Saban told about Jason Garrett back in the day when Garrett was working with them in uh, Miami, I think. And it was uh, like Troy Aikman's wedding, and Jason and Troy were tight. And so Jason basically comes up to Saban. He's like, hey, man, I've, he was super nervous. Like, I did all this to get ready and stuff. And he's like, can I maybe get tomorrow off to go to this wedding? And Saban looks at him all insulted. He's like, you really don't think that we could last like one day without you here? Like, go to the freaking <laughs> wedding. Go have a good time. Not liking Red Zone. Get the hell out of here. It really is a, a, a horrific, horrific take. Were, were the seats like uh, in a suite? Were they on the 50-yard line? Were they nosebleeders? This stuff matters. What was uh, the game? Who was playing? It was going to be the uh, Bengals-Dolphins game uh, from like, in like week three or week four. Daigle's in Chicago. Reeves is up uh, in Cleveland. I'm in Cincinnati. So, you know, come come down. It's about a four-hour or five-hour drive, depending on traffic. Come hang out, watch a little football. So Daigle and my guy Evan Silva were both like, absolutely not, can't do it. Bad take, in my opinion. <laughs> I am kind of like, I, I, as the older I've gotten, is like, uh, you know, the TV is literally built like to accommodate a football game. Like the screen is perfect. Standalone and, you know, games, though, the Sunday night, Monday yes. night, or Thursday night, that's reasonable, in my opinion. I'm on board with that take. Uh, all right, let's move on. Let's talk about <laughs> the. You know, this is one of the ways where we can find some plays. Producer Steve's going to throw it up on the screen for you people out there, for myself as well. Uh, the mismatch manifesto. This is where we can find maybe some potentially hidden plays. Uh, the first thing we're going to talk about as far as explosive passing plays, what is standing out for us? Who all of a sudden is going to pop that may not be popping in my brain as of right now? Yeah, real simple. If you guys first time seeing the charts, blue is good. Red is bad. I've combined a bunch of stats that we usually talk about as offense ranks X, defense ranks Y, but now we have a one-way street to just more easily interpret those things. So starting off with explosive pass plays, you can see the Dolphins, the Eagles, the Cowboys, the Bengals, and the Lions really popping, even the Titans to an extent, but losing Traylon Burks, not great. If you do want to go deep diving at that tight end position, we got Chig Okonkwo. I've been working on this one uh, throughout it. <laughs> Uh, throughout the week, just 2.7K. And that Titans-Jaguars game, man, I do think it could be a sneaky shootout out of hand. More on that when we get to our bets. Uh, one thing I would also say, this Detroit Lions offense, man, they are back. The first four weeks of the season, they're the number one ranked scoring offense in the NFL. The next four weeks, they fell down to the 31st ranked scoring offense. But getting the Sun God back in, DeAndre Swift back, they're back to the second ranked scoring offense over their past four games of action. So good stuff going, going on in Detroit. Um, on the running side of things, Miles Sanders, man, he is another guy that I think is going a little bit overlooked there, sitting at that low 6K range. And we've really seen Nick Sirianni and the Eagles adjust their offense to what the defense's weaknesses are. You know, novel concept out here, but not not every coach does it. And we saw last week against a Titans team that's very stout at the line of scrimmage. Yeah, Jalen Hurts had like 39 pass attempts, even though that game was over shortly into the third quarter. The week before against the Packers, they were happy to just run the piss out of the ball all game long. I think we're going to see the latter strategy against the Giants league worst defense and rushing yards before contact should mean all sorts of good efficient touches for both Jalen Hurts and Miles Sanders are we concerned uh, with Sanders getting siphoned at the goal line by like uh, if not his quarterback multiple running backs come out of nowhere or just it is annoying 
It is annoying how often Kenneth freaking Gamewell is in the game. It's the same thing in uh, Kansas City when you see Jarek McKinnon inside the five instead of uh, Pacheco. So it's annoying, but like Kansas City, if we're going to have multiple parties involved, it might as well be in a top two scoring offense like we have in Philly and KC. So how about uh, Miles Sanders, man, telling us all not to draft him back in yeah. you know, July or whatever it was. Like ultimate zero RB truther, Miles uh, Sanders driving down his own value. Well, he had a, I believe this is one of the things in the offseason, zero touchdowns last year. Is that correct? Absolutely zero on like 165 touches. And this year he's got eight or nine on about 200. So what, what a comeback here for Miles Sanders. Yeah, yeah, good for him. And you mentioned the Lions. The Lions, I mean, I guess like uh, you mentioned the, you know, week one through four, five through eight, or whatever it is. It's also home road stuff too. Like the, the home, the dome has been phenomenal. And yeah. uh, the Lions last week, I think they did not punt the entire game. Is that correct? Can you confirm <laughs> that one? No punter necessary. You should never have a punter. Just for the record, <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Preach. <laughs> I, nothing angers me more than like coaches punting at the 50 yard line like fourth and five like, well isn't that the twisted thing like old like older folks or not, i don't even say older folks but people that hate on analytics it's like you're you want people to kick more like because that's usually the result they hate when teams go for it when they shouldn't be going for it which i just completely uh disagree with so i want don't want kickers in fantasy football i don't want them in real life football we have a sport for them it's called soccer or if you want to call it football too go ahead yeah, uh, but the other thing is, is like with the announcers framing it in a way like, oh, they're going to roll the dice and do the right thing. <laughs> Look at this big gamble. They're going all these, for the too. Half of these big gambles, like they show the odds and it's like, you know, 50 and a half percent versus like 49 and a half percent. Like all these things, man. And then, of course, uh, when a team punts and then like the other team, whatever, like when when they don't make the aggressive decision and it doesn't work out, it's never the fault of analytics and not on that side of things. Yeah, uh, was it the Chiefs last week? I think it was the Chiefs. There was some team last week that just punted and gave the game away. But, hey, yeah. it's a forward-thinking show here at PFF. <laughs> uh, and we care about Week 14 and Week 14 only. Uh, what about pace? Pace matters. Uh, what's popping out as far as fast pace, as far as slow pace? Uh, these games coming up this weekend a lot of pretty solid blue ones here jets bills texans cowboys eagles giants and the you know fastest one of the week on the main slate is going to be chiefs and broncos so dolchich i guess is our bring back on the denver side of things you know jerry judy if you're really feeling yourself but just been such a rough uh, season for mm. the broncos the only thing i care about these days in denver is if russ can end up throwing for more touchdowns then he has bathrooms in his house shout out to uh kent wyrock you know for continuing to track that ever important metric what's us. the official uh, count now I love that. Is it 12? Is that the actual bath? How many bathrooms? 12 is how many bathrooms he has. Okay. And he needs to average one passing touchdown per game uh, for the rest of the way out <laughs> to get there. Eight freaking passing touchdowns for Russ in 11 games. Hate to see that. Uh, so a little bit slower ones. The Browns Bengals is giving me a little bit of pause, but that said, I think people are already kind of scared off of Cleveland after Watson's again, terrible performance last week. I mean, there's no other way to put it. I'm just, you know, putting more stock into the guy we saw from 2017 to 2020. I'd like to, you know, not be behind a week on getting into the Cleveland eventual, I think offensive surge. And then also Jaguars at Titans. So, you know, these aren't egregious, like as we can see on, on the Thursday night game, Raiders and Rams had the slowest one. So once you see, I'm more concerned when it's in the 64, 65 range when it's combined. So Jaguars, Titans, uh, maybe I'm just ignoring it because I really like my over bet that I'm going to talk about there uh, in a little bit. But Derrick Henry and this Titans offense, man, in the last four games that they've had Henry face in Jacksonville, they scored over 30 points every single time out. And as long as Trevor Lawrence is going to be healthy, we've seen this Titans defense, while they've been solid throughout the year, much, much better against the run than the pass. So I do think guys like Christian Kirk, Zay Jones could still get going here. 
what's the deal with Henry? Like the D Hembers kicked in. He's not been good so far. He's been bad for like a month or so. Like a, yeah. uh, his efficiency's down. Like some people are saying it might be his toe, uh, the foot. Uh, but you know, the Jaguars uh, historically have been a cure all for anything. Uh, injuries wise are just slumping. Do, do you have an official? Is that something that a tease for later? I'm curious where you're at as far as Henry this week, because I don't know what to do with him. We're going to see it over the next three weeks. He gets the Jaguars this week, the char- the Chargers in week 15, and then his, you know, just solid market off, no questions about it, 200-yard performance against the Texans in <laughs> week 16. So I think it's going to change. But no, you're right, man. I mean, he's actually, let's see, he's not even had three point more than 3.1 yards per carry in each of his last four games. So surprisingly, like he's already got career-high marks in receptions and receiving yards. So that's a little bit been saving him uh, through what's otherwise been a porous, uh, you know, end of the stretch. I will say, I mean, he has faced, you know, loaded box of A-plus defenders more than any other running back in the NFL. So we have seen, though, Derrick Henry and Honestly, Saquon Barkley is another guy where just over these past three, four weeks hasn't been the same guy. And now Saquon's even dealing with that neck injury. So just goes to show, man, sometimes, uh, you know, we think we know something with these running backs and then it'll change. And similar sentiment here with these rookie wide receivers breaking out late week to week league. And uh, it's been a little bit of a rough spot here for Henry and Saquon lately. Yeah, that one just popped up earlier today where the coach uh, Dayball basically said there's a chance, like most likely, I guess Barkley's going to go with the. The neck there is obviously something to monitor. And I guess if he doesn't go uh, Matt Breida season, maybe, I guess. Yeah, I wouldn't. You know, it's it's certainly not like (laughs) Dalvin Cook cross out his name and just put Madison there like type of situation. But he would become uh, certainly an intriguing play. So if it's one of those things where people really get behind it and they drive up, you know, we're looking at like the 40% type of chalk running back, then I'd probably be out on it. But I think he'd be, especially in a week with six buys, I mean, he'd certainly be in that low-end RB2 landscape. My only concern with Brita is like he was with Brian DeBole in Buffalo last year in a pretty wide open backfield, and he never even carved out like a little role in that situation. So he has been used well ahead of Gary Brightwell as the clear-cut backup. And if it happens like, now like it sounds like Saquon like this I mean he wasn't even on the injury report until yesterday I believe so the fact this happened this week I don't think they have time to sign guys like Wayne Gallman like we're seeing the uh, Seahawks do and actually have even more guys to compliment them that aren't even on the roster you know for the time being so Matt Breida to me closer to RB20 than RB10 but yeah he'll certainly benefit yeah maybe they're playing just playing maybe just playing games of the Eagles who knows some games and shit <laughs> I mean like I assume Barkley's gonna play we'll see uh, and like you, you mentioned, that the box being stacked against Henry, like wouldn't you stack the box? You know, the we got Robert Woods and like NWI and like Austin Hooper. I mean, like you know, of course you have to stack the box. Why wouldn't you? There's no threats as far as the vertical game, but the, the one guy that was starting to give you that threat, Traylon Burks, unfortunately, you know, got yeah. knocked out when he somehow still uh, caught that touchdown. So it's a uh, Ch- Chigakonkwo and then everyone else, man. He's going to be, from what I'm seeing, Chig is going to be like the DK de facto punt, like cash game tight end. We'll see. Stay tuned. Things change. But yeah. um, him or uh, Dolchich, yeah, it's going to be a lot between those two. Yeah. Yeah. I suppose. Yeah. If you have a little bit more money there for uh, for Dolchich and you're a fan of uh, mullets and uh, facial hair just in general, by all means, <laughs> fire. If you want to run back uh, something in Kansas City, if you want to attach yourself to Russ, uh, Russ Wilson and his, oh uh, gosh. And his 12 bathrooms. Uh, <laughs> but I pull up the schedule as you're talking. Is he going to get there? He's got KC twice. He's got the Rams. Uh, is it the Rams? Both both LA teams in yeah, Arizona. Yeah, yeah. Not nothing's guaranteed. I mean, they're the single worst scoring offense in the league. It's it's like it's one of these things where I mean, over these last, I know he just got hurt, but like I. 
I caught myself in like week 13 or so. I was like, all right, Jerry Judy's out. Uh, KJ Hamler's out. Obviously, Tim Patrick's been out for the season. So it's only Cortland Sutton, like absolutely ingrained as the number one guy. And like, I struggled to rank him inside the top 30. Same thing with Latavius Murray. It's like, oh my gosh. Okay, all these guys get hurt. Melvin Gordon gets waived. Suddenly he's getting over 80% snaps. Like fading Latavius Murray on the workload that he was getting, like the only other guy I even remember kind of doing that with was Kalen Balaj with the Dolphins a couple <laughs> years back when they were just absolutely miserable. Because usually, man, we see it like a Zonovan Knight, Dearness Johnson. And yeah, sure, they're performing fine. But at the end of the day, it's like, who cares? I just found out who this guy was last week. He's getting 20 <laughs> touches. Like, okay, we're going to go ahead and fire him up. That's how bad the Broncos offense is. Even when we've gotten like the volume completely concentrated on one player still hasn't been enough for again, anything more than like wide receiver three RB three treatment. Some great names you threw out there, by the way. And I'm a, I'm a UCF homer and I still can't, I can't play Latavius Murray. I can't do it. Um, can't do it. Uh, fire up the, the manifesto once again on the screen, but I'm not sure if it was mentioned or not, but this is on your Twitter account that people are not aware uh, by all means, check out Ian's Twitter. I, I look, you have a, Everybody follows you. If anybody knows anything as far as football, but if you're not following Ian, follow Ian on the Twitter. I heart it. Uh, H-A-R-T-I-T-Z. Uh, talk to me about, I believe we're at pressure. Is that correct? Yes, sir. Appreciate those kind words. But yes, popping off in the blue, meaning we're not going to see too much pressure at these quarterbacks. Tyler Huntley against the Steelers. I mean, this is a situation where I think we're, you know, we saw the four quarters last week and after Lamar got hurt, they really struggled to move the ball up until that final drive. And, and then they found the end zone. So it worked out. But just even when the Ravens were winning this year, the offense hasn't been going great. But Steelers defense, I know they've gotten healthier with TJ Watt and Fitzpatrick, you know, back after missing um, a little bit of time, respectively. But still haven't been their usual dominant self. So I do think that Huntley and Mark Andrews, another guy that we've been waiting to pop off, could be a sneaky solid tournament stack. Also looking at Sam Darnold, where no, I'm not so much looking at Sam Darnold, but DJ Moore, someone that we have seen, sadly, like I get it, guys. The fact that Sam Darnold <laughs> is a relative quarterback upgrade, like I hear myself saying those words and I don't love it either, but it's true. And DJ Moore was someone that this year couldn't even like really break through the wide receiver four, wide receiver five, barrier more weeks than not so it almost throws off like our thinking because we've always been wanting more from dj Moore, but this year so much worse than even what we were seeing in 2020 and 2021 uh specifically that last year with sam Darnold under center so already saw it before their bye with him going for over 100 yards and a touchdown with a lot of that in patrick sertan's uh direct coverage good stuff there and then finally um as we'll get to on our bets i mean as good as the 49ers defense is, the one thing that Tom Brady hasn't lost the ability to do this year is get the ball out of his hands quickly and really avoid taking too many sacks and just letting pressure overwhelm him. And really, it's been him and who is the other? Oh, my gosh. Um, uh, Tua. Him and Tua. That's it. These two quarterbacks, when you look at who can get the ball out of their hands quickly, you usually end up seeing the Ben Roethlisberger, Jimmy Garoppolo, like the real low ADOTs associated with that. Brady and Tua really stand out over the past two years as the only guys able to get the ball out in you know, under two and a half seconds consistently, but still keep that high average target depth and threaten defenses downfield. So as good as Nick Bosa and this defense is, I really do think it is that pressure that helps compensate for their lack of overall talent in the secondary. So when I see Brock Purdy getting not three points but three and a half points against brady and company that's it's a so slow too steep for me yeah i mean no nothing else but knowing that uh, brock purdy is quarterbacking a team that's facing uh tom brady uh is laying three and a half points i kind of understand i, I get it i know why i suppose 
but it is still pretty weird. And he just lost to Jacoby Brissett two weeks ago. I get it. But again, three and a half, you had to go that extra half. You got the hook too, just to tease you yeah. even more. It's such a bummer. You mentioned uh, Tua, and I get it. I understand why the NFL did it. They spared us Russ again. Smash the over on shots against Russ Wilson, by the way. Whatever the number was, the over was smashed. <laughs> Two and a half, way over. And we're just well, just starting the show. But, uh, you know, they, they spared, uh, you know, the country having to watch Russ again. But I really wish that Miami Charger game was in the main slate. That'd be, that would change things up so much more. Be a lot, give us some more options. Uh, should be a lot of fun, Herbert versus Tua. And I know that's a great Twitter matchup, too, because, you know, yeah, there's all sorts of rabbit holes you can get into that. It's like Herbert's just good because he has a good play every once in a while and he looks great on Twitter. But in real life, all right, let's go. Oh, by the way, you mentioned Mark Andrews. Are you tired, uh, tired of talking about or hearing about the splits with Huntley, like oh, no, really, he's he's been better with his uh with his Huntley. Like that's something that I've, I've heard multiple times, and at this point, everybody knows that, right? Are you is that real? Do you buy it? Is it a big enough sample size for you? No, it's freaking what three games or whatever we're working with. And guess what? Andrews had a bunch of big games with Lamar, and he even had a big game with Josh Johnson. I'm starting to think that Mark Andrews is just really, really good at football. Like that's my big takeaway from the entire thing. So look, Huntley again, he averaged 205 passing yards per game in these uh, five or six extended appearances he's had, and that's pretty close to what Lamar was doing this year before getting injured. So I think Huntley is a really good backup quarterback for the Ravens. We saw him flashing all over the place in the preseason. Uh, it, Instead of just, you know, propping up these guys, I always have to turn back into Lamar slander with uh, some folks. So I'm not going to stand for it. I think, uh, again, though, I think the Huntley-Andrews stack, though, does make some sense. Maybe even Demarcus Robinson if you're feeling feisty. But, okay, we got the yards before contact up now. And, again, really looking good for Miles Sanders this week with the Giants' just general inability to really control the line of scrimmage uh, more against more running backs than not. Also seeing the Ravens pop, but it's just so muddled. Even if we get Dobbins back this week, Gus Edwards is going nowhere Kendon drake justice hill all these guys stay involved so i am more so continuing to just focus on huntley and andrews we do have the bills popping a little bit but now with that's the thing man in buffalo and honestly in new york because zonovan knight's been such a big topic in the fantasy world zonovan and james cook like yes their roles are a lot better than they were a couple weeks ago and that's relevant and i get it these are two guys that were free agents that's why we're talking about them so much that's why they've been on the cover of these waiver wires but honestly they're still just lead backs that are in three running back committees and in the jets case an offense that i don't ex exactly expect to see fireworks out of every single week especially not on the road in buffalo so james cook zonovan knight yeah relative to where they were three four weeks ago things are looking great still quite a few mouths to feed in those backfields when there's you know it's 2022 we only have so many you know one back workhorse you know situations in the nfl these days two we can live with three or four that's when things get complicated especially with the guy like zonovan where again if the bills get up by a lot which is kind of what we're expecting given their 10 point favorites we can see way more michael carter and ty johnson than anybody would prefer Hey, since you brought it up, yeah, how much of an outlier is that or is that not an outlier? Is that a sign of things to come as far as James Cook? I believe he had the most usage he's had the entire season last week. They even worked in Hines a good bit. I think the more we've seen, most we've seen him all season long as well. Uh, theoretically, Cook is, like, going to be the guy at some point. Like, he's got some draft equity to him. He's got some uh, – some, some, he's electric. He's got some burst. Um, like, is that – is that, is that going to sustain this week or like, we don't know, or is we, we'll, we'll, we'll be like, well, wait a second last week, maybe just for whatever reason, just uh, got a little more than expected. And now he's going to get, get pushed back and Singletary rises again. It's a murky situation and I have no idea which way it's going to go. 
I think that first point you made is the key part that a lot of people are overlooking. Like Naeem Hines played 24 snaps on offense in his first four games with the Bills, and he played 23 snaps in that last one. So it's not like James Cook got this, you know. I remember when Travis Etienne, before they got rid of James Robinson, like Etienne got this 85% snap roll, like 20-plus touches. And you do look up and you see, you know, the rushing and receiving numbers from Cook. And I agree with what you're saying about him, you know, showing some true juice out there, and they spent a second-round pick on him for a reason. But just 43% of the snaps out there. I mean, I don't think Devin Singletary is completely going away. He's a good running back that they continue to trust in their biggest games, you know, each and every year now for a good three years running. So I think it's a three running back backfield, unfortunately, in an offense that is really good for everyone and especially, you know, the Bills in real life and everything, but not these running backs, man. Josh Allen is going to scramble or he's going to throw the ball downfield instead of checking it down. And then he's the most likely party to score once you get inside the five yard line. So it's one of those things where when you consistently look at Bill's running backs. I haven't pulled it for him uh, recently, but honestly, Ravens, uh, you know, the Eagles last year, not so much this year, they're scoring so many points that it doesn't really matter. But when you have these dual threat quarterbacks, it really does hurt things for their running backs. And you consistently see the team running backs in terms of carries and targets down near the bottom of the league. So it's just not the most fantasy friendly offense for Cook and Singletary and even Hines. Uh, but yeah, on the rise for Cook, I don't trust it to continue though. Long story short. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, talk to me about passing yards per drop back. What are we seeing this week? Anything popping out for you? Yeah, let's see here as I pull it up. We do have, again, that Sunday night game with Tua looking good. Awfully annoying that we can't get uh, tapped into that. But Joe Burrow and the Bengals, I mean, the fact that it sounds like Higgins is going to be out there. I believe I saw Zach Taylor say that earlier. Jamar Chase, obviously, second game back. And Joe Burrow, man, just has been absolutely grooving lately. I believe four of his last seven starts now he's finished as the overall QB1 or QB2. So he runs a little bit more than I think we've given him credit for. Last year, obviously, coming off that Terrific injury. He wasn't quite as down to do it. But, you know, I do think that's something where even if we do see quarterbacks run less as they get older, maybe we should put a little bit more mindfulness into the second year coming off these injuries. We've also seen Dak Prescott be a little more willing to run around this year. So just something to keep in mind with Joe Burrow and that ever explosive Bengals passing game. By the way, we have breaking news not, not on the show. I'm not sure if you caught this. Traylon Burks officially ruled out. Okay. We mentioned his name earlier in the show. Man, that's uh, that's kind of a bummer. Uh, expected but yeah. no it, it sucks for sure he was really starting to come on strong one of several rookie wide receivers uh this late and unfortunately man like doesn't really get me excited about robert woods or nick westbrook akini uh all comes back to our guy chick yeah i'm not gonna front uh i don't know who cj <laughs> board is i don't know <laughs> he was on the giants but i'm with you that that was a guy where the first time i heard his name uh i was like yeah what <laughs> what is what is a racy mcmath what? <laughs> I like a receiver named Race though. Like that's I assume he's fast. Uh you gotta get uh we gotta get some Ray Ray McLeod out there. He's in San Fran these days. Uh River Craycraft is one of my random names uh, we've name. seen pop up over the years. Yeah, I'm just looking CJ at the board. Okay, now th this is how I knew CJ Board. I think Jason Garrett called like a reverse for CJ Board last year when like he had a healthy Kadarius Tony, and we were all just like, "What? What the hell are we doing out here, man?" <laughs> That's how I found out who CJ Board was. <laughs> yeah, I I must have blocked that out or just forgot that happened, or I wasn't on Twitter <laughs> that night. But I, I don't recall. I don't, that name is the. It's not popping a bell for me, but uh, and McMath, I don't know who that is either. But yeah, all right, uh, we'll look into it. I suppose. Man, what a disaster Tennessee is. Uh, that's that's a big hit for me. All right.
Uh, we have one more, right? We have the, the EPA so, perspective. What do you have for me? Yeah, so the one thing I like to track with this are teams that actually have a relative offensive advantage in terms of combined EPA per play, but are still underdogs. And three qualifiers this week, the Vikings sitting at plus two, the Ravens plus two, more understandable because of the quarterback change, and the Jaguars plus four. So Jacksonville is a team that's been popping up on this a lot. And while they have had some lows, I mean, we saw it last week, not able to keep pace with the Detroit Lions um, and all that, they have had some real nice moments this year. And I do think Trevor Lawrence has been continuing to play despite having that injury last week his best football really of his career over these last four or five weeks so against the titans again i'm probably not going to be riding too much with the actual jacksonville side of things but i do think they can keep this game competitive hopefully putting up a lot of points out there uh and yeah i think the vikings plus two i mean it is one of those things where you see the lions favored and i get it they're playing well but just the the vikings have been playing pretty well too man seeing them perform as well as they did just especially on offense against the patriots and at the Bills. I know we had that Cowboys absolute disaster going on and Mike White made things close last week, but even that game too, like for them to put up 27 points against the New York Jets, uh, Kirk Cousins, those guys, I think they can keep pace with the Lions. Can the Lions actually, you know, continue to put up 30 plus? We will see. You mentioned sports gambling. I saw uh, the opening that line. Minnesota was, I think, a favor by a point, maybe a point and a hook. And now it's what Detroit by a point, a point and a half. It swung as the week has progressed. Good segue uh, into our next segue. Uh, Of course, that was the um, the manifesto. Feel free to check that out on Ian's Twitter account, PFF as well. Uh, But spreads and totals. I did not pick anything, but I I was just going to like ask you about that game. It's funny you brought that up because I thought that was peculiar. Um, And I kind of lean Detroit. Maybe I'm just a sucker for the Lions. We, We love the Lions, right? As a neutral fan. But this is, they're a fun team to root for. Um, you know, not that Minnesota is a team to dislike, but uh, I just think Detroit's a fun team to get behind. Uh, but yeah, you have a couple of takes, and you're in a, you're, you said you're in Ohio. Ohio has a sports gambling now. Are you partaking? Are you enjoying that? Are you dabbling? I still gotta go offshore for another couple for another month. It gets it gets uh, fully legalized, I believe, on January first here. So. Okay. They, they, it's a shame, man. Move that Buckeye-Georgia uh, game back a day, and I'm sure that would have been a nice way to uh, kick things off for them. But it's okay. you know. I, I've still found a, a way to manage over here. But, yeah, it, with the Lions, man, they finally started getting things going. I mean, it was just nauseating, I thought, the amount of people that were kind of picking them as this big-time underdog and everything this year. And, look, I mean, it's – again – Last four or five weeks, they've really turned things around. They've gotten healthier, so I guess that makes sense. But there was an awful, awfully quiet stretch there from everyone screaming, <laughs> restore the roar, uh, you know, for all those summer months. And it has always struck me where, like, Dan Campbell, it's like we're really giving him the benefit of the doubt here because he just says some kind of wild shit sometimes in <laughs> interviews. And he's a really exciting guy and stuff. But, like, ah, I don't know. Like, I'll kind of take the Mike McDaniels of the world who were a little more confident in, like, just, you know, actually what they're doing on the field versus, the you know, in, in press conference. Yeah, well, he is pretty entertaining in the press conferences, too. So maybe not the best example. Regardless, I do have two totals and one spread that I like this week. Already kind of talked about each of them, you know, throughout the manifesto to an extent. But Jaguars, Titans, man, this total has slipped all the way down. to. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day. Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 41, unless I'm missing uh, some weather news, I do really think that this is one that we should be pounding that over with. Titans have scored 30-plus on Jacksonville. Again, four straight games with a healthy Derrick Henry. And yes, last week was the first time the Titans allowed more than 20 points in a game since week three. They do have a solid defense. But their run defense is far better than the past. I do think we've seen enough out of Christian Kirk, Zay Jones, Trevor Lawrence, and company to think they, they can stay competitive throughout this one. And honestly, I wouldn't be surprised like if we do actually see Jacksonville have a little more success than, than most teams do on the ground against this group. Jacksonville leads the league in yards before contact per carry. And with ETN, man, that dude looks like he's shot out of a cannon every time he touches the ball. Only takes one or two plays for him to you know make it up in a hurry. Also liking Patriots and Cardinals over 43 and a half. This one is on Monday night. So cheating just a little bit, but again, against this Patriots defense, like I know we always just give them the benefit of the doubt because we got Bill Belichick there. And yeah, they've, I guess they've earned the benefit of the doubt over the years. That said, man, last two months, I mean, when they're not playing Zach Wilson or Sam Ellinger, they really haven't looked all that great. The Vikings scored 33 on them. The Bills scored 24 last week. I just don't think that a finally pretty healthy Cardinals offense coming off a bye with Hopkins, with Hollywood, with Kyler, James Conner, I think that they can at least, you know, be putting up something in the 20 to 30 point range. They are coming off their first game of the year with at least 150 through the air and on the ground against the Chargers. And then with Mac Jones and company, it's like, yeah, Cardinals defense continues to be pretty atrocious. I think they can at least, you know, keep pace to an extent. And then finally, Buccaneers plus three and a half. I guess Brock Purdy, three and a half, <laughs> as we were saying earlier. That's honestly just what it comes down to. So Buccaneers plus three and a half. Patriots, Cardinals over 43 and a half and Jags, Titans over 41, as long as T-Law is starting. You clearly haven't heard Brock Purdy's nickname. That's what's going on here. Uh, that's, fair. that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> I just pulled up a cheap interologist, Kevin Roth. I just pulled up his weather edge, weather page. This is a Friday. Things change. Weather is fluid, yada, yada. But uh, nothing, nothing there to see as far as weather. Uh, you're talking about Tennessee. No game is beyond yellow, um, yellow and Buffalo, Pittsburgh, Giants, Sam Fran, for what it's worth. Uh, showers likely in San Francisco. Um, you know, again, weather, it's not perfect <laughs> more than two days out, let alone like five hours before the game starts. Just kind of monitor things like that. Uh, what I would just wanted to point out, I just thought it was interesting. And I, I like the Arizona take because uh, I like just betting on a dome with a low total. Just like that's good enough for yep. me, right? <laughs> just 43 and a half in Arizona just feels weird. Um, it just seems I understand their offense has been disappointing. And I understand New England's defense has played pretty well, and yada yada. New England's offense is just you know kind of grinding it out with uh, with Stevenson. Uh, I just thought it was a little peculiar. The Seattle line seemed like almost not enough. Uh, almost the, Vegas is kind of saying they're basically the same with four points is generally neutral field. You get three points for the, for the home yeah. field. Um, and I know Walker is dinged that one running backs don't matter, yada yada, but. Maybe it does if you're replacing with guys that don't really run on the tackles like like you know Homer and Dallas 
the ghost of Tony Jones. We'll see with Walker, but I don't know. In 12th man's generally, historically, at least a tough place to play there. Big trip for Carolina. Does four seem like not enough? It's, in, you know, disrespect all season long for Gino, obviously, but it's, I, I just thought it should be like a six, not a, not a four. No, I'm, I think that's a fair point. Uh, Geno Smith, again, I don't know how longer the dude needs to consistently put forward top 10, even top five numbers before we're like, yeah, he's he's pretty good. You know, it wasn't like he was going out there sucking for six, seven straight years. Like he was a backup quarterback behind guys like Eli, like Russell Wilson, who he was just never even going to get a chance to find a field with. So yeah, it's again, it's shocking, but we have to get it through our heads at some point that in the year 2022, Geno Smith at a minimum is a lot better than someone like Sam Darnold. So I'm with you. It is a, you know, too short of a spread there. And if we don't have any weather problems, I mean, I think you could argue Kenneth Walker, man, as great as he does look at times, really does have some of that boomer bust to him as a rusher. So it's great when he's booming, but there's a reason why there were some disappointing weeks there where he just wasn't able to get more out of, you know, 10, 15 carries uh, than you'd really be expecting. So if more of the offense is now being funneled to DK Metcalf and Tyra Lockett, man, I don't hate that at all. Jim Aline, as far as Walker playing this league, I feel like it's less likely. I don't think so. He hasn't practiced all week. Uh, Pete Carroll, you know, is the ultimate uh, optimist. I still... Oh man, last year the whole Chris Carson thing basically calling him like day to day. And then it's like, oh, we know. And then they put him on IR, and then it's like, well, we're just happy he's gonna be back for training camp. It's like, Pete, just shut up, man. Let the doctors talk about this. Oh. Is Carson's career kind of over? Yes, he retired before the season. Oh, like, okay. Neck yeah. thing. I knew like, it a neck thing. I wasn't sure if he was trying to work his way back. That's what a bummer. Yeah. Um, all right, we're gonna give our fair plays position by position in a second from a DFS perspective, tournaments and cash as well. Uh, I'm gonna run through that. Before we do that, you do have a uh, some player props that you like that you want to you know put a little light on? Yep, two quick ones here. I like Juju Smith-Schuster over 48 and a half receiving yards, just minus 115 over at DraftKings. Look, his season, even including the games where we saw him get concussed and leave early, and then also the next week where he was eased back into action, didn't have his usual full-time role. Even including those, he's at 62 and a half receiving yards per game. Before the injury, he was at 72.8. So over these last three weeks, again, it's been disappointing. He only got 33 when he got knocked out early, 38 when he was eased back in, and 35 last week with normal usage the problem was that Mahomes had season low marks and pass attempts and passing yards so while the Broncos are a good defense and we've seen I you can say great defense they've been really more than good enough all season long for this team with even an average offense to be a playoff contender but Russ and company haven't been able to be even that that said if you do go just a little bit deeper and look at their performance against wide receivers aligned from the slot you do see them ranking as a bottom 12 group in that category so Juju really is the only guy we've seen other than Travis Kelsey be consistent in this offense throughout most of the season. And I think it's just, again, been that concussion that ultimately took away two weeks and then one naturally bad game last week. So seeing his route rate back up over 80% last week after he got eased in, I'm going back the well with a guy that in terms of fantasy points, but obviously you get a lot of fantasy points. You had a lot of yards as well. Three straight weeks as a top 12 wide receiver before he originally got banged up. And then also I do like Christian McCaffrey over 13 and a half rush attempts. Again, I want the props. I really like to at least take the over on. It's just when I think that the lines were made based on a sample size uh, that wasn't probably shouldn't have been used as a whole. So if you look at him on the 49ers this entire season, he's at 12 and a half. They put the line at 13 and a half as just a small bump. But again, when we look at these games, he gets eased in the first game. That was only eight rush attempts. And then he had the knee, knee irritation game against the saints only had 11 and then just had a big time blowout where he only had seven he's easily cleared this with 18 and 17 in his two most athletic 
applicable games without Elijah Mitchell in, in the fold with Brock Purdy instead of Jimmy G. I'd expect them to run the ball more. And other than CMC, again, you got a banged up Debo Samuel and then just Mason, Tyrion Davis-Price, Tevin Coleman. Like, okay, that's fine. I'm sure they'll get some run, but only 13 and a half for CMC. I'd be very surprised if he's under 15. How tough is it to run against Tampa these days? I know historically they're pretty tough, uh, pretty uh, run stout. Yeah, I mean, it's not going to be the prettiest matchup. We've also seen San Francisco consistently be able to run the ball on just about anyone. So in terms of the yards before contact metric, which is usually how I'm trying to get a feel for it, they actually profile as a slightly above average matchup. So one of those things where, uh, you know, great reputations on that group, but they probably aren't quite as deep on the defensive line as they were in past years. And then someone like Devin White, I do think uh, probably, you know, we follow the good plays a little bit more than noticing, you know, the occasionally hectic uh, lack of, uh, run fits and things like that. All right. Fair plays, DFS perspective, main uh, main slate, the 10 gamer. Uh, you want to talk about cash game quarterbacks first. Yeah, right now, the build I got going, I do think Jared Goff at just 5.6K is where I'm leaning here. Like, again, just seeing guys and honestly, my quarterback column on um, PFF.com out every single Wednesday throughout the season. I just did like a blind com- comparison. Like, who's that Pokemon back in the day between uh, Kirk and Co- <laughs> between Kirk Cousins and Jared Goff? And like, Goff has been every bit as good as Cousins really uh, this entire season. And again, when we look specifically at these last four weeks with everyone healthy, Goff has been balling. Highest game total on the slate you know i am expecting golf to be the chalkiest guy on the slate and i think it makes sense so you're able to stack golf with the sun god who is still underpriced especially on a full ppr site like DraftKings. i think i think that stack is more than reasonable to build the rest of the lineup around yeah i mean uh i'm on raw running it back with jefferson like picking one of those quarterbacks and we'll talk tournaments in a second that's going to be uh, a really popular route is that something you like in tournaments also is there another route you like as far as tournaments way to be a little bit different I wouldn't yeah. have as far as Toronto quarterbacks reasonable enough but definitely got a couple other uh, stacks that we try and build around and also uh jefferson is to bring back always fine but adam thielen there sitting under 5k against uh you know a group that we have seen get burnt by pretty much offenses of all shapes and sizes this year very much still a dead last uh, ranked defense in terms of points per game allowed so don't be sleeping on that vikings offense on the other side of the ball obviously but yeah talked about tyler huntley and mark andrews before so huntley at just 5.5k man i feel like you know we've got we talked ourselves into a lot worse quarterbacks <laughs> <laughs> have that rushing ability. I mean, come on, Sam Ellinger a couple of weeks ago, people were really getting behind there. So I know 5.5K, I think Ellinger was even like 5K or less than that. Or nine, uh, I think he was. Okay, so it was a little bit of a pricing difference, but still, 5.5K, we're saving a good chunk of money there. So I do think with Huntley, again, the Pittsburgh defense, I think probably receiving a little bit too much love based more on their reputation than on the group we've seen specifically this year. And then just, hey, Mark Andrews splits, that's great. But look at just Mark Andrews, the tight end without who cares who the quarterback is it's mark andrews uh and again at the pricing tight end i do think a good way to go contrarian in tournaments is not taking the easy cheap guys in dolchich and our guy chica conquell how many times guys say that name this podcast pay up for a mark andrews or even a <laughs> travis kelsey or if you want to save that money don't be afraid to go with someone like andrews in your flex spot and get a little too tight end with it also just again mentioned this earlier but joe burrow jamar chase in this plenty winnable matchup against the Browns so Burrow I know he hasn't beaten the Browns yet as a starter but you know I was looking at that total and thinking about taking the under he still doesn't have much of a problem putting up a lot of points against this group so again we'll see what Watson is able to do but I'm very confident in Burrow and company staying hot putting up plenty of points not advocate but it's worth noting that Watson like after last week I think he's like 
nobody's going to play Watson and just he's kind of it's and theoretically he showed it in the past right yeah. and then still probably got some rust to knock off and all that uh and I think it's also interesting like Mahomes and Allen two of like just like if you have the, the nut quarterbacks you get them on the right week they, they're just they're rock solid and nobody has higher ceilings uh like I think Hurts is probably the best amongst those three but they're not going to get owned all that much, but for what I can tell, as far as Allen, we currently have an 8%, which is pretty low for him or for a 10 gamer. Uh, like every quarterback on average would get 5%, right? This is Josh Allen. He should be different. And Mahomes at 5%. I know the matchup's not great. And there's some concerns, both those tough matchups. We're not sure how much Denver can actually punch back. And the other part with Mahomes is like, I don't know who to pair him with. There's like no, he's got 19 yeah. receivers, I guess Kelsey, but then I'm out of money. Uh, we, you know, the salary cap issues, Juju, and exactly the stuff yeah. I was talking about before. All I mean, right, but look, he's 5.6, and you're even getting a nice little pivot there off of uh Garrett and DJ Moore who are in that same price range. No, I, I think you're, I think you're onto something, man. Because what do we, you know, in tournaments, I do think a pretty easy way of getting more unique is largely ignoring the matchups, especially when we have someone like Josh Allen, like Patrick Mahomes, who, yeah, Sauce Gardner and the Jets, I can show you a million statistics that say they're a top five defense, and that's great. Would we be that surprised if Josh Allen goes for 400-plus and four touchdowns? No, because no. you can do that against anybody. All right. Uh, any other thoughts as far as quarterback? You want to jump the running back? We move on to running back. And, and Cash, I do think that Isaiah Pacheco, 5.7. I know. I wish he caught more passes. But, <laughs> look, he is getting 15-plus carries a week. And as much as we do see Jarek McKinnon, you know, playing a lot inside the five, it's more so just a sign. I know last week he ran right into uh, his blocker and fell down. But, like, Pacheco, it's something like he only has seven snaps or eight snaps inside the five-yard line. And McKinnon has, like, over 20. But Pacheco still has more rush attempts inside the five. So, it's annoying to see out there but i think when mckinnon is on the field at the goal line they're usually throwing the ball elsewhere anyway and similar to miles sanders i do think pacheco does give you enough scoring opportunities regardless just by virtue of being in such a good offense so i'm okay with pacheco i think i'm okay with Rashad white regardless of whether or not fournette is going to end up playing i believe todd bowles did say that um he's expecting fournette to be able to tough it out but he is not at 100 percent and if that's the case man maybe we do see them really just have fournette be out there more so in you know in case of a emergency style than anything and even if not we're still looking at Rashad White who just turned in a top 10 appearance last week even with Fournette playing more than expected so Rashad White someone that gets all those fantasy friendly targets and on full PPR like DraftKings I'm okay getting him regardless and then Travis Etienne 6.4k just in my initial build that was basically the running back uh, I was feeling more comfortable with but interesting uh, slate and again if we see Fournette somehow get ruled out I'm guessing Rashad White's ownership is going to boom but i don't see the usual you know two or three guys that i just feel like i need to get i know people might want to be paying up for derrick henry but to your previous points man i mean it really has been a rough stretch for derrick henry and as much as he is still setting career highs and receiving stuff it's still not that great uh you know compared to a lot of other running backs out there so you take away Traylon burks and i think it's like 52 percent of his rushes come against boxes of a plus defenders i mean yeah. that could be sitting closer to 100 without Traylon out there <laughs> So I have several questions as far as running backs. Uh, Mixon looks like he's coming back. Do you think he gets standard full work workload pre-concussion, or has P. Ryan earned himself a taste, a little bit more of a taste? 
probably a little bit more. I mean, it was really like 75-25 or 70-30 in favor of Mixon. I wouldn't be surprised if it goes more to 60-40. I think all of us, uh, you know, just owe a little bit of an apology to P. Ryan. You know, remember after the Super Bowl? And it was like, oh, my <laughs> gosh, how could you take this? How could you take Mixon off the field for P. Ryan? And, look, I would still, if I was Zach Taylor, I'm starting Mixon. I think Mixon's the better running back. But, clearly, P. Ryan is pretty damn good in his own right. So, I just don't really – I mean – I guess mix in at 6.9, but like, is his workload going to be that much different than Tony Pollard or Travis Etienne? I really don't think so. So that's just my only thing. I don't feel as much of a need or I'd rather pay up a wide receiver than running back uh, this week. I think it's my uh, big moral of the story. Uh, Cowboys running backs. Uh, like you love home favorites, but are they too much of a home favorites? <laughs> uh, you know, Houston is underdog by what? 17, 18 points. Their team total, I think is three points lower than how much they're, underdog by uh we saw them absolutely thrash indianapolis you know they both kind of sort of somewhat got there zeke and pollard how do you handle the dallas uh, backfield situation both guys look pretty damn well set up man that's the thing like up seven 17 point spread like okay i hear you it can get out of hand like it did last week but for, in order for it to get out of hand they got to score a lot of points first which are obviously going to be good for both of these guys so uh pollard still has had the more fantasy friendly workload ever since zeke has come back he is behind a little bit in the carries i think it's like 48 versus 45 in their three games but he has more targets and he actually still does have more snaps as well so i don't think pollard deserves to be projected higher that said man if zeke's going to be the guy getting a few more reps at the goal line wouldn't be the most shocking thing to see him overcome it so zeke miles sanders and isaiah pacheco i think deserve to be viewed similar similarly in terms of just their workload and uh, zeke obviously has the best matchup of the group my apologies if you mentioned them i know you're firing off a bunch of guys but i did wanted to ask you about uh, deandre swift uh, you get a piece of that detroit minnesota game looks really appealing biggest total on the board price is pretty solid and you know, speaking of usage, speaking of uh, carries and touches, it finally shot up last week. Uh, I know they're still working in Justin Jackson, but will that sustain? Do you feel good about Swift this week? One thing I'll say, uh, Lions DetroitNews.com, Justin Rogers was talking about Swift, and he did bring up that they, that ankle sprain that happened in week one still is a problem and he you know maybe it's just him i don't think he has a specific source inside the organization but he did bring up like swift still is not 100 percent, and he even threw it out in the universe that maybe they dial back his workload this week after having that usage so ah. i don't want swift if he's going to be super chalky i guess that's my thing if he was like okay just ho-hum 10 percent ownership in tournaments like absolutely that's fine because we did see things move in the right direction but uh i'd be curious you know where the roto grinders ownership projections have swift because hey if he's just middle of the pack that's fine i don't in terms of you know bad chalk i do think that could be the case uh, for him unfortunately because yeah justin jackson very much still staying involved and i don't think it's quite all the way back into good graces for swift because when we were ranking him like as a legit potential top five top eight running back that was when it was him and jamal williams so even though justin jackson in and of himself isn't going to be this big factor still a guy that is making this more complicated than it should be Swift currently the third highest uh, projected own running back. Yeah, I think I'm out. I think I'm out. Mixon 22, Henry 19, Swift 17, Pollard 15, Pacheco 14. All right. Uh, anything else as far as running backs? I know we're up against the clock. We got to knock out some receivers as well. My no, we're good. I, I would just say uh, if you're paying all the way up for Henry, knowing how chalky he is, uh, get up to McCaffrey. I'd rather try to spend that extra 600. Yeah, uh, McCaffrey as it's yeah ten percent right now, which is kind of interesting. Yep. Maybe because some people are afraid of uh, 
that that Tampa defense. But like you said, maybe that's not necessarily the case. They're not as bad as we might think in our head. Uh, receivers, as far as cash, well, you mentioned I'm on raw. Like that's, I think I'm on raw. Like every single week, should just come your cash game should come preloaded. <laughs> How many weeks has he been a cash game staple at receiver? And just the price is not high enough. The usage is too good. He's too awesome. The matchup's great. But you say, yeah, go ahead, go ahead uh, with Amon Ra and everybody else as far as cash. Last 15 games not impacted by injury. Six plus catches in all but one of those performances. So Kings stay Kings, and obviously Amon Ra is a king. Also, if you want to save a little bit of money here, because we got to do it somewhere. Adam Thielen, 4.9K. Zay Jones, 4.7K. Both great matchups with high scoring upside, plenty of volume. And Jamar Chase, if we can get up there at 7.9, especially if Higgins is out, doesn't sound like it is. That's reasonable. Also, shout out to Isaiah McKenzie, just 4.2K against the Jets. We would be surprised if Josh Allen puts up some big numbers. No, and Isaiah McKenzie has that starting role in the slot these days. And previous to your other point, about uh, Deshaun Watson, let's get some Amari Cooper at 6.2 and even Donovan Peoples-Jones at 4.9K. Just att again, attacking that Browns-Bengals game, I think could make a lot of sense. And finally, maybe not getting quite as much hype as Amon Ross, surprisingly, but Chris Goblin, man, has been really consistent ever since coming back in week four, has at least six catches in all those games, and he's even started to find the end zone lately. So 6.7K. If you're not going to have Rashad White in your cash game lineup, I definitely want Chris Goblin. Look, I, I'm not here to endorse these guys, but if I'm looking to save some salary, theoretically, the Houston Texans are going to throw the football. Theoretically, they're going to be down by multiple touchdowns. They're without Cooks. They're, they're without Collins. Dorsett is 3K. Moore is 3-4. Are these guys playable? Like, there's going to be targets here, right? They have to be. No, I don't want anything to do with these guys. Sorry, I'm having a... I have Ooh. salary issues. <laughs> I have to look I out here. That's our, that's why we're going low at tight end, man. Greg Dolchitz <laughs> at 3.1 or our guy Chig at just uh 2.7. So I guess Philip Dorsett, but man, like this just Texans, I mean 14 points seems high. Yeah, yeah. I'm just look, I'm looking for something. <laughs> I'm looking to save some salary. Uh, you know, try to put some uh, lipstick on a pig that is the Houston Texans, I suppose. Judy's uh as if you're looking for a punchback for, for Denver, he's five four, no Sutton. But of course, he's attached. Stop to it. it! You're talking about these offenses. It's causing my body to just like cough, and I can't even handle it. You know what? You're right. My apologies, Lou. <laughs> you know what's going to make your body feel better is talking about all the fabulous tight end options this week, or not. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. Yeah. Again, and cash going all the way down to Greg Dolchitz or Chig. I do think that's the that's the move. If you want to go up though, Andrews and Kelsey in tournaments. I do think makes all the sense in the world. It's tougher to get up there. That's why we're gonna like it in cash. The only other guy, man, and hey. I'm happy you called out Watson because I'm hyping up every single one that he should be throwing the ball to. So naturally, we should be higher on Watson uh, this week. David Njoku, just three point nine k. I know he's been has a chance to have slightly limited snaps with his knee injury, but he has been practicing all week. I didn't see if he has a designation going into Sunday, but it does seem like taking last week off has put him closer to 100%. So with, with Njoku down the stretch, I expect him to be a legit top five, top six fantasy tight end once Watson catches his stride, and right now he's not being priced that way. Uh, Cooper has a hip. He's currently questionable, but I think he even said himself he's likely to play. We'll yeah. see, but just note that. Uh, and Joku uh, expected the play as of two hours ago uh, on the old Twitter machine. Anything else to say as far as tight end and you want to touch on defenses before you step aside and get out of here? 
I would just say uh, in cash game on defense, you can go all the way down to Carolina 2.2K just because, again, if we're if we're getting one of the bottom ones, we either want them to be facing an opponent that at a minimum we, we seem to be a little bit turnover play worthy. And that is Geno Smith, man. Again, I mentioned before, very tough to find a stat where he's not top 10. Turnover worthy plays, though, is one of those. And guess what? He makes so many big time throws that I do think like it's worthwhile for him. I'm not slandering Geno, but he will turn the ball over, take a few sacks from time to time. And Brian Burns and that Panthers defense defense actually pretty good in their own right if you aren't feeling good about the panthers and you like the seahawks that's fine steelers at 2.8k are your guys if you have all the money in the world by all means dallas should be a good defense but you know highly yeah. volatile the position uh, i don't hate and again i hate to be doing this denver at two three just because it's a good defense it's a good unit i don't no, know that's my homes but yeah. you know it's 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 cheap and it's high variance and they're you home know, He's going to step back a ton. Like I want defenses to play against quarterbacks to drop back like 40 times and then things can happen. And especially yeah. in tournaments, like now you're just, hey, if you're doing that right, now you're also playing into Mahomes and the Chiefs guys not having uh, a good game as well. So, yeah, if we can get the uh, defense blowing up right as – I know it's, there's not a super, not a lot of super chalky Chiefs uh, this week um, in particular, but always good when we can go against the grain in more ways than one. Ian, it's been a lot of fun. I appreciate you letting me stepping in this week. Britt, I presume, will be back from his vacation from Disney. Maybe, uh, maybe. Who knows? Well, well, you never know. You get lost down there. It's, uh, there's a lot of parks. Um, yeah, one last time. Tell the people where they can find you. It's week 14. They know, but just in case. There's one person out there catching this show for the first time. This Ian guy, he's pretty sharp. Where do I follow this guy? Where do I get his information? Tell him about PFF. Tell him where to find you on Twitter, all the good stuff. Good talking to you too, my man. At iHeart, it's on Twitter, PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. We got five episodes out per week throughout the season, and I'll have plenty more on the way when we're done. So always a great day. It'd be great. Best of luck to everyone in DFS this week and any potential season-long leagues where you're trying to clinch those playoff spots. For producer Steve, for Ian, for PFF, for Britt, for Goofy, for Donald, for Mickey, <laughs> this was the PFF Show Pro Football Focus. We appreciate y'all watching. Go out there and win something. We out ya? <laughs>